0: Welcome to Take Care. I'm your host, Syra Trejo. I'm a passionate advocate for mental and emotional health and fascinated by the power of people's stories. This podcast dives into stories across the spectrum of mental and emotional health. My goal here is to talk to experts and non-experts alike to hear the latest in the field and the stories of struggle and ultimately healing. Because when we have open conversations, the stigma changes. I hope that this podcast can help you. If you enjoy it, please remember to subscribe. Episodes drop every Monday. This week, I talked to my friend, Kayla Torres. She's 21 years old and studying interior design. She loves painting and watching movies with her family. And she's passionate about mental health awareness and self-betterment. When overwhelming anxiety began to pop up for Kayla, she was especially concerned about the physical symptoms. One day, all of a sudden, the 17-year-old felt intense worry and dread come over her, as well as nausea and lightheadedness. She didn't feel in control of her mind and body. These were the first symptoms of a panic attack something she would grapple with for months until she learned she was struggling with panic disorder. Now, more than three years later, she's learning to manage the condition by understanding what may trigger her and speaking up about her experience. Panic attacks can take away our ability to function in the moment. Basically, panic attacks are bouts of intense fear and anxiety combined with physical symptoms, such as choking sensations, racing heart, numbness and tingling, tightness in the chest, sweating, nausea, or dizziness. Panic disorder, which is a type of anxiety disorder, arises based on the fear of having more panic attacks. This can cause a person to withdraw and isolate and even stop doing activities or going places where they fear they might have an attack. Essentially, it is panic about the panic. This condition can be disabling, and it can also be managed. Over time, a combination of medication and therapy can work. Learning about triggers and knowing when a panic attack is coming on can help to manage the condition. Panic attacks may happen infrequently for some, or just for a period of time in response to stressors, or it may develop into panic disorder and require more work to manage. As always, refer to a mental health professional, such as psychiatrists, psychologists, or other mental health practitioners to tailor your care plan if you're experiencing this. And just a little disclaimer here, Kayla and I talk about our experiences with medication and what worked and didn't work for us. We are not professionals and simply shared what our experiences with meds were like because I believe that is an important discussion to have. If you are more curious about medication, please refer to your psychiatrist or doctor. Anyway, here's my conversation with Kayla. Take a listen. Let's just talk about you. Let's talk about your mental health journey. And my first question is, when did you first realize or discover that you were struggling in some capacity with your mental health?
1: Yeah, so this happened, and it started all back in 2017. I was 17 years old, probably. Okay. <laughs> um, and the only the only thing I can remember was um, my significant other, Christian, and I. We were driving back home. It was like morning time, around morning time. We were driving back to my house um, from a sleepover. We had slept over at some friend's house. Mm-hmm. Just on our drive to my house, it was like a, a switch went on and off on and off on and off in my body and in my mind hmm. so it was like this just like weird these weird symptoms going on in my body that had i i had never really like experienced before so like nausea like intense nausea um i was getting lightheaded uh I felt like so worried for some reason, and I had absolutely no reason, Syrah, to get or to be worried. You know, it was just coming back
0: from a fun night with friends. Yeah,
1: and I was I was with my boyfriend. I you know he makes me feel really safe. (laughs) We were in a car on a freeway. It was morning time, you know, daytime, and I was just super like disoriented, basically, because I I didn't know what was happening. I was like, oh, maybe uh," I was trying to find all these excuses like maybe I have food poisoning or or you know whatever um and I I let Chris know I was like hey I'm feeling kind of weird right now and he was like oh maybe you know your body's just waking up and it's feeling a little nauseous or something because we had just woken up and I kind of just let it go and the symptoms kind of eased down or whatever and then when we got to my house um they started getting a little bit more intense for Mm -hmm. some reason um we sat on the couch. We were just basically watching TV. It was just my mom, my sisters, and Chris and I at the house. My dad wasn't there. We were just watching TV and then that switch thing happened again. Like mm. it's just like a wave of like a heat wave went all throughout my body and I just felt like I needed to get up, run, do something, you know. I just felt like super worried, like I could scream or something. Yeah. Um so I went to the bathroom, was feeling the same. And then my dad got home and I was like, oh, okay, let me go greet my dad. So, you know, my mind kind of got distracted for a little bit. And when I went to go hug my dad, as soon as I released, um, as soon as I released my dad from the hug, I swear to you, I felt like I was, I could have like fainted. Hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. Um I think that's when I realized, wow, something's really wrong with me. But I obviously didn't know, what, like, you know, you
0: have panic disorder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no words to verbalize. There's no vocabulary yet.
1: There really isn't. It's crazy. It's a really Mm -hmm. crazy, intense feeling that that happens to, you don't even, it's like your mind, but then your mind makes your body go through all these physical things. It's Mm -hmm. really crazy. It's really powerful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's when I realized something was wrong with me. And then after the day after that it continued and then that's when I was like confirming you know the day after the day after that and even the day after that one like it just kept it was like a cycle and I was like yeah. wow this is not stopping I really need to get seen by a doctor you know mm-hmm. maybe something's wrong I don't know yeah but that's when I realized um yeah there's something was wrong
0: yeah something was happening with you and yeah. so what were the next steps for you after because that is very intense um mm-hmm. physiologically. Uh, mentally it's very confusing Mm -hmm. what were your next steps after that did you tell someone about these things
1: so yeah so um thankfully I didn't really have to explain myself too much what you know about what was going on because like I said before I was going through these things and I was experiencing it for the very first time in that intensity in front of my loved ones and they mm. physically they saw the physical symptoms you know what was happening mm. to me after I released my dad from that hug I actually ran to the bathroom again because I I swear I thought I was going to faint or throw up or something yeah and I I just I locked myself in there for like a good 10-15 minutes and when I realized it wasn't you know going away I I I really didn't know what to do with myself so I I left the bathroom I ran to my room I was pacing back and forth I I even kneeled on my <laughs> I like Crouched and I kneeled over on my bed, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, "Oh, I need to breathe. I need to breathe." I felt like I wasn't breathing, and that's when I told my dad. You know, I was like, "I'm gonna tell somebody," you know, because I feel like I'm going crazy. Oh my (laughs) god! So I told my dad. He came in, and I just started crying. I started bawling. So yeah, basically, like when those feelings followed after, like maybe a week or so. Well, honestly, quite honestly, to be honest, like completely honest, I didn't really do much about it until maybe, like. Four months into that feeling, mm-hmm. Sarah, like it was yeah. really intense. <laughs> like I was losing weight, I was losing hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, after, you know, when I got to that point, my mom, she's the, the first one who initiated the conversation of, hey, you need help, you know, mm-hmm. let's get you some help, let's get you maybe seen a little a little deeper by a doctor maybe you need to take prescriptions or maybe a therapist you know
0: we need to find out we need to get to like the core I'm curious how does she initiate that conversation with you
1: oh she just she's, she's frank and honest <laughs> and it's like yeah she just goes for it so she went hey like I'm tired of seeing you this way uh you need you need help yeah. <laughs> that's basically what she told me and this is four months um, in you said right about four months in yeah that's it was really a really long time yeah Yeah, it felt like forever it was just like an ongoing cycle of horror yeah (laughs) basically
0: when your mom reaches out to you guys kind of get the ball rolling on on getting you help what did that look like
1: yeah so as soon as she mentioned that I kind of felt like this relief because I also had been thinking about getting help you know therapy wise Mm mm-hmm and to know that she was on the same boat as me, like, oh, yeah, you know, therapy would be an option, you know, mm-hmm. that it was actually there on the table. Mm-hmm. It made me feel better because I was like, okay, maybe that's, like, what's going to help me out. That's what's going to, like, fix me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I got actually excited. I was like, oh, are you are you sure? Like, what's my dad going to say? And she was like, your dad's not going to care. Like, <laughs> he loves you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I was just overthinking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, that's – that's when it started. We reached out to this after-school program that I had been going to mm-hmm. um, when I was in middle school. It's called Up.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know if you've heard about it. Canal Lines, or
0: it's it's local. Yeah, program. Lines, yeah, area.
1: yeah. And they actually, I didn't, I didn't know that at the time, but they had resources like um, they had their own therapist and stuff like that. So that was really cool. We reached out to them, and they said, "Yeah, we'll totally take you in." Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's when my journey started with therapy. Yeah.
0: And how was that for you when that kind of starting point uh, towards the healing, what was it like going into the first session?
1: After the first session, I it was like, I felt like this, this intense hope, like, mm-hmm. wow, I can actually manage this on my own. Mm-hmm. The therapist was just so nice. She was so nice. Um, she made me feel like I wasn't alone, like I wasn't crazy. Mm-hmm. Because that's how you feel when you're going through that, you know, you yeah. feel crazy and like you're the only one. Yep. But yeah, she basically explained to me, you know, like there's all these theories, like scientists say that it's like a chemical imbalance in your brain. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes it's just traumatic. And sometimes, you know, you have one panic attack and after the first one, it's so traumatic having to go through a panic attack that you just go through those because of the fear of going like through one. You get me?
0: Yeah. Oh, I want to pause here. That is a very important point that you're bringing up. The fact that we don't know exactly Mm -hmm. (laughs) what the root cause of it is. You can't Um, pinpoint. Yeah. And then the fact of panicking about panic is so real that it's because the the acts of having a panic attack is so, can be so inherently traumatic to some people. Mm-hmm. I, myself included, <laughs> struggled yeah. with that because it was like, what is going on with my body and what is going on with my mind? Like you mentioned, the fear of losing your mind is very present. For some oh, people, yeah. it's the fear of dying, um, the fact that you can't breathe or catch up with your breath. So I'm glad that you were able to kind of get that from a practitioner that like we don't really know and there's a lot of reasons why it can be happening yeah, yeah.
1: there's a lot of different explanations you know mm-hmm. theories and stuff um mm-hmm. but the only thing that's certain is the feeling <laughs> it's there <laughs> <laughs> um so obviously you know after feeling very supported and like i was being understood and stuff i i kept going mm-hmm. i kept going consistently i think it was every friday at six thirty, 30 mm-hmm. and it was kind of ironic actually because or not really ironic, but um, funny because my anxiety gets really bad at night for some reason. Mm. Yeah, I don't know something about the nighttime it makes me really nervous. And mm-hmm. so, um, and it's funny because the therapy I had it started at six thirty. That's when the <laughs> sun started going down, yeah. <laughs> so it was like almost perfect. You know, yeah, she'd be there to like guide me and give me all these tools. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I would go consistently. I was very much connected to the conversations in our therapy session, um, and yeah, I just loved it. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she actually, um, we actually had to stop the therapy sessions recently because she got a better opportunity somewhere else. So mm-hmm. now I'm kind of just like looking
0: for another. Yeah, you're, another you're looking therapist. for another therapist. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a hard. That's a hard thing too when it is when you have to look for a new therapist, and that's interesting. It's another conversation there because. It's like you share so much with this one person and they hold right. the space for you. And then it's like finding another one's like, I got to start again and explain myself again after yeah, we've been through so exactly. much. Exactly. You know.
1: Exactly yeah. my point. Yes. Yeah. You so, get yeah. to connect with that person on a different level. And it's like, wow, now I have to open up again to a new
0: person, yeah. <laughs> you know. And everyone has different yeah. styles the way they approach it Yes. as well. Yeah. So have you been able to kind of go deeper into what might have flared up those initial panic attacks in that overwhelming anxiety for you oh see that's a hard one because (laughs) yeah
1: like I said I was just driving home that one day and it's like this just switch went off Mm -hmm. um I'm not really all that sure it's cool I I could tell the answer it's like it's totally (laughs) cool
0: I, I mean I didn't know for a long time it took me yeah a lot of very intense like not just talk therapy like this other therapy I do to to find out more about it yeah
1: and I've actually been kind of looking into that since we last
0: talked Mm -hmm. I told you about EMDR right yes because I have
1: not been able to pinpoint I have not been able to pinpoint one thing
0: yeah
1: I mean it's just when I'm going through it it's a lot of um just random thoughts Mm -hmm. so like and it's very intense and it's gonna make me sound really crazy but <laughs>
0: no that's and let's put that let's put that full disclosure here you know these things happen and they do not make us crazy quote unquote um, yeah and i I like yeah. to stray away from that word because it, it's so heavily um, charged with negativity and this kind of like mm-hmm. scary but this is what it feels like this is why we it talk about really it like this, because this is what <laughs> it feels like and this is what yeah. people go through and sometimes they can't talk about it because they feel like, well, what are people going to think that I'm crazy? So Mm -hmm. you are not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) This was an experience that you had. um, Like many other people we have. Thank you for saying
1: that. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the thoughts that I would, I would begin to have all of a sudden were thoughts that I'd never had before. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were like super intense. So let's say we're just driving we're going on a road trip somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, The sky looks different. And all of a sudden I'll jump from, wow, the sky looks different to like, wow, are there stars in the sky right now? Wow, there's stars. And there's also like all these other things in the universe. And then I'll like jump onto like, oh shoot, like meteors and all these different like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, random things. And there was this one day where I freaked myself out so much because I saw a shooting star one night And it was so magical. And instead of that moment being so magical, I made myself suffer because Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that shooting star like was coming down onto earth like so fast. Imagine how fast a meteor would come down, like all the damage it would do, you know, I just started worrying about the dumbest things ever, like things you wouldn't, you don't need to worry about Mm -hmm. things that won't even probably happen, you know, and it was just basically catastrophizing. Yeah. So that's another thing. My therapist said, I, I catastrophize. I was a just going to say that there's,
0: there's a whole bevy of, of cognitive distortions that a lot mm-hmm. of us face with our thoughts. Um, and one of them is c- catastrophizing because yeah. our mind just goes there. You know, it's not that we're we're making things hard for ourselves. It's just like that's where the thoughts go. And so when your therapist kind of mentioned to you this catastrophizing, where did you go with that kind of information?
1: Well, when she told me that, it was kind of like, well, obviously, like it clicked. I was like, "Oh my gosh, duh!" It obviously, made sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, you know, I couldn't even tell myself that, like, "Wow, you're catastrophizing everything." But when someone else told me it, I was like, "Oh wow, yeah, you're right. I'm uh-huh. really doing that to myself." Mm-hmm. What we had worked out with my therapist was every time that I started to do that, I needed to catch myself and, you know, realize I was I was doing that, and basically just stop myself and cut those thoughts there and try to. um distract myself with something better, something more positive, you Mm -hmm. know, focus on something else other than those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And it's a friend of mine. He actually told me I reached out to him because he also was going through a very similar thing. And he told me it's really up to ourselves to change it because no one else will be able to change it for us. You know, Mm -hmm. it's all, we have the power. Yeah. Every time I began to have those thoughts, um, I'd either turn to reading or Uh, watching a movie and oh yeah thing about watching a movie is well that I've noticed with me is I tend to watch the same movies over and over again Mm -hmm. and I actually read online that the reason why we do that is because we're already familiar with what's going to happen next so it makes us feel more in control you know we know what's going to happen in the movie so that makes Comfortable, uh-huh. therefore, why we watch it over and over again. And for me, it was Harry Potter, <laughs> <laughs> or even like Despicable Me. I don't know. They would just make me feel so happy. Yeah, and I'd watch those all the time, or read books, or exercise too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good one, exercising.
0: Oh, I remember there was this one moment when I was still really early and in, in my healing, and I went to the movies with my with my dad and my brother. Um, I saw a movie, and it was this journalist <laughs> um, oh my gosh of course <laughs> I know. <laughs> of course was this journalist and she and this is just like oh my gosh I'm like why did we go see this movie um I know because <laughs> we were just talking about movies um and she uh experiences like the horrors of war she covers war um, in Afghanistan and yeah. um and I, I think that was her main thing and one day in the movie I'm sitting there with my brother eating my popcorn And uh, in the movie, she comes home from war and, um, she, all these things are coming back to her in a very traumatic way. She's experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. And so she has a panic attack and seeing Mm. that panic attack on screen for me, I remember, yeah. And the scene before Mm -hmm. this, the scene before the, the panic attack on screen was this very like dark, um like people were were discovering these like buried bodies because of the war and all this oh horrible stuff. Oh my gosh. Stuff. Yeah. And so it's very intense already. I'm watching it play out on screen and then she has a panic attack and she's like, I'm going crazy. And I was watching that unfold and all of a sudden I get the the feeling in my body, right? The tingling, yeah. the, oh my gosh, I need to run. And so I ran yeah. out of there. I like, I was like, dad, oh my gosh. I'm out of here. And he's like, okay. um, And I ran to the bathroom <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm going to control this panic attack. I know it's coming on. I'm like splashing water on my face. There's like women in there looking at me. And then I was like, okay, I think I have it under control. I sat in the stall for I don't know how long. And then my dad came out looking for me because he's like, why did you run out of the movie? And then we went outside and I tried to explain to him what had triggered me. Mm -hmm. And then full on panic attack happens outside the movie theater. Oh, man. So he didn't know at that time that you were... He knew, um, but he didn't know that, that, like, watching it on screen could trigger you. Yeah, oh yeah. Because, and this goes back to the point that we talked about, like, the actual event of experiencing the panic attack is so traumatic, and I can see how that triggered me seeing it on screen with a journalist, too, because that's just Mm -hmm. so, that was part of what my whole breakdown. Um, Mm -hmm. So... I can, you know, I, I love that you said you watched movies that were uh, familiar to you because you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's also that, um, that sense of control, you know, when you're going through a panic attack, it's you basically, it's just, you don't feel in control. You don't feel Mm -hmm. in control of your body, which obviously is like the main thing in the world that you have control over is the one thing yourself. Um, so when you lose that, it's very intense. Because it's like, wow! If I can't have control over this, I can't. How can I have control over my life, my own mm-hmm. life? Mm-hmm. You know. And it's very intense to even say that, but it's true. And so, yeah, when when mm-hmm. you're able to find that thing that you feel control over, for me, it was you know the movies, the reading. Mm-hmm. I could read how fast or slow I was going, or me the the working out too, how intense you'd work out. Yeah, it's just those things really help finding like an alternative. Because yeah, it really does feel like you're just not in your body I think Mm -hmm. it's like derealization or something like that derealization depersonalization Mm
0: -hmm. all forms of Um, dissociation you just feel numb yeah
1: yeah Numb. yeah oh my gosh
0: there's so many there's so many different ways to describe it and yeah I think you sum it up it's you're not in your body you feel like you go somewhere else or you feel like you're watching yourself kind of play out
1: exactly yeah and people think i've heard a lot of people say oh my gosh you're exaggerating you know you're exaggerating it oh no i'm not (laughs) to (laughs) those people who have said that
0: this is not an exaggeration of the horrors of panic disorder
1: like trust me i would not wish it upon anybody Mm -mm. nobody Mm -mm. no
0: when you were um struggling with this you know you said the panic attacks were daily was it multiple times a day yeah, so in a day, I'd have about three panic attacks.
1: Holy, a, a day, yeah. And that was, they were kind of continuous. So it was like a a vicious cycle of me just waiting, anxiously thinking, "Oh my gosh, it's gonna hit me soon. It's gonna hit me soon." Yeah. And then out of nowhere, it hits me. Yeah. And I was living like that for about four months. That's exhausting. Um, it's very exhausting. That's another thing. After a panic attack, your body is just like depleted like worn defeated (laughs) exhausted you just need to lay down it's like you can finally get that like like breath of fresh air like oh my god it's over you know Mm -hmm. but then there's also that like thought in the back that there was that thought in the back of my head saying oh yeah um, it's not really over though because you're going to get one soon again Mm. and that mentality was just not good for me because obviously you know it would it would cause more more attacks yeah eventually. So
0: how did you get yourself out of that cycle? How long into your healing or into getting that help? Did you find yourself kind of breaking up that cycle?
1: Yeah. So it took me a good year. Yeah. It yeah. took me a good year to actually confidently say, okay, I can control my panic attacks now. And it feels good to say that now that I am able to control them. Yeah. <laughs> um, They're not gone. They're not gone. That's for sure. But I am able to control them now I'm able to conceal them like physically people you can look at me and I'll be smiling and talking to you regularly and I'll be going through one Mm, what's that like Um, it's very it's so weird because you know I'll be with my friend or something Uh and she's talking to me about something that's special to her but I'm not really like paying attention because it's just like too much you know Uh Uh um but I will let her know and she'll she'll like understand and stuff but uh it's just kind of crazy and it takes kind of skill <laughs> I would say to like do that because it's really hard not to get up and run. Yeah. It's really so hard not to, that. You to do that. Right? It's telling you to uh, get up, run, yeah. you need to do something, you need to get away from here, you know. I don't know. I've I've kind of come to master it in a way like I just <laughs> I know I'm going to be fine, you know. I'm always fine after an attack, mm-hmm. so you know, why wouldn't it be fine this time? And that's mm-hmm. what I why I tell myself every time um, when I'm going through one, but like I said, they're definitely not gone. Yeah. (laughs) I just am able to tame them more now.
0: You know a lot better now when it's starting to rise in you, when it's starting to kind of, Mm -hmm. you're starting to get triggered.
1: Yeah, I can I can tell when I'm going to have one, probably like five minutes before because mm-hmm. I'll start feeling that sense of like numbness in my palm, the palms yeah. of my hands.
0: Oh, interesting. Mine's I feel fingers. it. there.
1: <laughs> oh, see? Yeah. yeah, I feel it like at the palm of my hands um, and I'll start like going like this, like I'll make a really tight fist with my mm-hmm. hands. And my boyfriend will catch it before I will. Mm -hmm. And he'll start rubbing my back and he'll be like, hey, you know, are you okay? You need to get out of here. Like, let's go do something. And that's another thing is moral support from your loved ones is huge. It really is huge. And it helps out a lot because Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're alone. You don't feel like you're not wanted, you know, because when you when they when I was diagnosed with like panic disorder, like it's kind of crazy. For someone to tell you, yeah, you're diagnosed with panic disorder. It's basically like saying, what? (laughs) No, I'm okay, you know? (laughs) I don't have that. (laughs) But, you know, when you're, like, labeled with something that intense, it makes you feel not good, you know? Not good about yourself. It just makes you feel like you're on this lower level than everyone else. And everyone is, like, above you now. And Mm -hmm. you need extra help or something. I don't know. It's just, you know, like, this negative connotation that society has towards people like us um,
0: yeah, I think and that you touch on something so important here is that stigma is still very present we have a lot is, of open definitely. conversations that I see online you know World Mental Health Day was just a few days ago mm-hmm. um, you know uh, Suicide Prevention and Awareness Week was just a few weeks ago and we still have a very hard time talking about it openly Conversations mm-hmm. like the one you and I are having right now would typically happen yeah. behind closed doors, mm-hmm. um, in you know the hush hush of like, hey, can I tell oh yes. you, yeah, yeah, um, I actually have panic disorder. Instead of being like, hey, mm-hmm. like you and I are talking publicly, yeah. this is going to be released online publicly. Um, so hopefully, a person can hear it and be like, I can talk about it too. Yeah, that moral support is so important, especially from family, from friends. And Mm -hmm. like you said, from your significant other, he knows, you know, to look out for you when something might be triggering you. And I'm really happy you have that, Kayla.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely come to grow. You know, it's my younger sister even, you know, it's kind of (laughs) crazy. But if it helps, it helps. You know, she's She's very supportive too. my little mm-hmm. sister. She knows. She knows the side effects and she'll be like, hey, she'll just come over to my bed and be like, hey, how are you? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, she checks in it's on so you. It's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Having a person check in on you is so important um, because sometimes when we're experiencing the full on anxiety, we can't check in on ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. That part of our brain is kind of turned off and it we're just is, yeah. experiencing the, the the fear. Right. The mm-hmm. The root of this is there's a fear there. Um, that our that our mind kind of identifies and do you know what your triggers are now
1: so like I had mentioned earlier the nighttime is really like a really big trigger for me but I've been getting better with it I've been trying to actually go out more at night like I mm-hmm. used to and it's it's helping because you know nothing's happening nothing's nothing bad is occurring mm-hmm. <laughs> just like that cycle of like okay I'm out here, nothing's happening mm-hmm. is really helping me. The nighttime, what else? Obviously, like seeing someone go through a panic attack is triggering yeah. because <laughs> it reminds you of all the all the symptoms and even the symptoms itself is triggering. Like sometimes I won't even be going through a panic disorder and I'll feel nauseous all of a sudden because mm-hmm. I got up really quick or something and I'll be like, "Oh my gosh." I'm going through one when I'm not, <laughs> and then I'll make myself go through one <laughs>
0: uh-huh. because it's it's, it's a just, triggering thing. You it's know?
1: triggering yeah. and it's it's traumatizing, and uh-huh. that's the part. <sighs>
0: yeah. This reminds me of me recently, like a few months ago, I wanna say. Feeling uncomfortable feelings is very uncomfortable.
1: Sorry <laughs> yes. to be sorry to be <laughs> redundant
0: with that. Yes. But feeling like sadness, feeling disappointment, frustration is very uncomfortable for me still and for a lot of people. I was doing some hard work in my therapy and it was bringing up these feelings towards some unresolved stuff. And I was just really like really feeling it. I remember I'd had a session earlier that week with my regular therapist, my psychotherapist, and then I was just really feeling down. And I was scared that if I felt down, it meant that I was going back into really bad depression. The The cycle. The cycle. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. I called her um, I texted her and I was like, Hey, can we, you know, can we chat this evening? She's like, yeah, mm-hmm. of course, you know, at this time. And so I call her, we have a good like 30 minute conversation. And I was like, you know, I am scared that anytime I feel bad that I'm going to go back into the depression, yeah. the really awful low place that takes me a while to get out of. And she reminded me, she's like, well, now you have more tools and now you have more ways to like uncover and know what it is that's making you feel this way mm-hmm. and so in our conversation that we're having now it just kind of reminds me like because this stuff is so scary and traumatic we want to keep the sense of control <laughs> um in any way that we can and we want to be able to be like i'm not going to be in that spot anymore um yeah. so what's that like for you you know as much as we can can we can manage the panic we like to avoid it too because mm-hmm. it's so hard uh, Definitely. So where have you come? I think this is the, the most pertinent question. Where have you come in forms of acceptance that this is just something you are learning to manage and live with?
1: Well, I've honestly come to terms with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: you know, I've come to like
1: and with this, you kind of have to accept it. You kind of have to take it, receive it just without judgment uh, learn to live. <laughs> yeah. Learn to live side by side with it because oftentimes it does not go away. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes once you're diagnosed with it, it's for life. And sometimes it's not mm-hmm. for other people, you know, they completely just, it was just for like a short period of time and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. But then for others, it's, it's just like lifelong. And so for me, I'm not saying it's lifelong. Cause you know, you never know, but I've just come to accept it and not really see it as like an enemy, but more so as like motivation to get better. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I kind of see myself like, as like a stronger person because i've learned to manage it because Mm -hmm. i've learned to live side by side with it it's very difficult for sure to try to tame that feeling because you just want to like go crazy once you're feeling it but uh yeah i don't really know how to explain it i mean it's just you gotta accept it you really do you have to accept it receive the tools they give you get any information you can um find out what works for you
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and then go from there
0: no that's really beautiful it's well said that's the journey is hard and you know, we're not alone in it. We have people who can help us and, and the resources. Another question that I had is if you, and if it's, it's okay, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it. Um, did you pursue medication to help you with the panic disorder?
1: Yeah. So one of the first things I did before I even, um, received therapy was go to a, a doctor to see if I could get prescribed any pills. And this Mm -hmm. is really funny, but, um, Every time I was going through a panic attack and I was sitting, like, in the bathroom, I was like, okay, maybe, like, pills will really help me out. Um, Mm -hmm. So let me just get the pills and try them out and, you know, we'll see how it goes from there. So I went to a doctor. I got prescribed pills. Mm -hmm. I got prescribed, like, two different um, types of pills. Mm -hmm. And um, I took them. But I never – I mean, like, I physically took them, but I never actually took them.
0: Oh, so you you picked them up from the doctor, but you didn't, like – Take yeah. <laughs> so
1: it was like all like in my head, you know, it was like this, this strategy I had, cause I didn't want to get into like, I'd heard a lot of things of people trying different medications and how it made them feel, you know, Medication so I was scared. Is hard.
0: It's very hard. I was yeah. scared
1: of the side effects because mm. like I mentioned before, side effects sometimes triggers mm-hmm. in a panic attack. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to, you know, have any triggers. So it was more so just the idea of having them there, having that option there. If yes. I really absolutely needed them, you know, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a last resort thing, but I just wanted to have that option there already. Mm-hmm. So I had the pills, but I never took them. That just wasn't my way to go because I was absolutely scared of the side effects. But yeah. um, then that's when I turned to therapy and that's what really worked out for me. So. Yeah.
0: And some people find it's a combination of both. Medication is very touchy for some people. I myself resisted medication for the longest time. Yeah. And I have been on and off of medication recently. I've been off of it, um, but I was on before I was on Lexapro. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried Zoloft, but trying with medications was very hard, too. How was that? How were those? Um, Zoloft was awful. <laughs> yeah. Zoloft was my first medication. And, of course, when you're on there, you have to gradually increase your dose. And I was on it. It helped for a little bit. Um, that, it helped me mostly with the depression just to kind of get me going again. Um, yeah. But the anxiety was still really there um, because mm-hmm. depression and anxiety are so, you know, they're together. They're comorbid. Like
1: Yeah. They're side by side. Yeah, they're they, like
0: besties, you know. Yeah, they feed off of each other. They are besties. You can't have yeah. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, and so um, it really helped me with the depression, and then I started experiencing the side effects once I got mm-hmm. to uh, bigger doses, and so I would wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes my whole body was vibrating. Um, wow. and just a very uncomfortable feeling. And, um, I had these very intense dreams, which is very common with antidepressants mm-hmm. is that you have these very vivid, very scary dreams. And then I don't know if this was maybe, I don't know if this is a medication or this me feeling that it was a medication, some sort of placebo yeah. or something. I felt like I couldn't cry anymore. I yeah. felt kind of numb to release emotion, mm-hmm. which was very necessary for me.
1: Yeah. I've heard a lot of people because I'm a crier
0: (laughs) oh my god me too okay I'm a crier crying is an emotional expression just like laughing I am so like crying is so acceptable you know
1: (laughs) yeah honestly it sounds funny but I love crying because it just (laughs) helps me release you know it helps me just just release I don't know it's just something about it but um I feel that too (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. See, that's <laughs> one reason why I didn't <laughs> want to take prescriptions because I was just so scared of all the stories people would always tell me like this yeah. and that. And yeah, just the numbing, you know, mm-hmm. people would just not feel themselves anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So yeah. that happened to me on Zoloft. And so then I came off of it and I did it in a very not good way. I just came off of it. I didn't tell my, <laughs> my psychiatrist. Oh, wow. and so, stopped. yeah. And so the good thing is that I didn't have any of the withdrawal effects. Cause you also have withdrawal if you take it for a oh, long gosh. enough time. And so I stopped and then I was back in my kind of cycles of in and out of depression. And I went on Lexapro which was a much better medication for me. And um, I took a low dose and then it gradually increased... Yeah, it was really good. I remember t- telling my friend one day we went to Home Goods, which is the you know the store here. I love it there. <laughs> <laughs> I know my brother works in ho- at Home Goods. so oh my Shout gosh, out to no him. Way. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um. He yeah. It's funny. There's something so comforting about that store. I don't know. No. I was telling my Ugh. mom the other day. I was like, I don't know why, but like Home Goods is very comforting. A lot it of people makes... love it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it really does.
0: Anyway, so my friend and I go to Home Goods <laughs> and we're walking around the rug <laughs> section. You know, this is funny. We never, okay, on this podcast, it feels more, like, serious and stuff. Um, Yeah. Sometimes this is very lighthearted, and I appreciate it. So thank you for bringing that, Kayla. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, So I went to Home Goods with my friend. We're walking around the rug section, and I felt really good. And my friend had seen me in the worst moments and um, yeah. I was just doing really good for a stretch of time and I was on the Lexapro and I was like Sam like that's her name I was like Sam I should have gotten the medication before this is yeah. wonderful <laughs> you were on top of the world yeah and so it was it was working right I was I was yeah. doing well I'd gone to a great steady baseline and then it stopped working. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then yeah, I needed yeah, a, yeah. Uh, and then I needed a higher dose. After that, I didn't really want to go on a higher dose. You know, I didn't want to go on a higher dose. And then I had another really bad episode and that landed me in outpatient and it was a huge reset for me. But um yeah. so then I came off of medication and you know, when I thought I was going to go back into like a really hard spot a few months ago, the thought was like, okay, I'm going to do the Lexapro in a combination with Wellbutrin. And I didn't want to do a combo of medications. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I think about I'm like, maybe I should, but I guess just feeling it and having like, I'm in a space where I can allow yeah. myself to go there to feel and to kind of come out of it. Um, So like I said, uh, medication is very tricky for some people. It brings you to the table. Like one of my guests in previous podcasts has said, Um, and for other people, we just, we can't, we have to try different things. Um, Mm -hmm. So that remains to, you know, we remain to, to find out exactly how medication works for different people. So, yeah. 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 Um, definitely different for everyone. Yeah, definitely, and um, and like you, like you mentioned, some side effects are really scary. Some side effects of coming onto antidepressants is nausea, and for oh, you, that's, God, a no, that's a triggering. That's a triggering thing, you know. It really is so so. It's hard. Another question is: you have this great tattoo on your arm. Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> can you tell me more about it? Can you describe the tattoo? It's really beautiful.
1: Thank you. Um, it actually does go with what we're talking about right mm-hmm. now. Um, so it's basically for those who obviously can't see what I have on my arm <laughs> it's um, on my forearm and it's um, a lotus and basically the stem of the lotus I guess you could say is actually a little quote mm-hmm. which says golden state of mind mm-hmm. I got the lotus because first um off is it's like a water plant huh
0: should we do a little fact yeah, checking right now see where lotus is grow from I love lotus flowers by the way I think they're I so know. beautiful
1: there's something about them. Let's see.
0: Okay. The lotus has a life cycle unlike any other plant. With its roots lodged in mud, it submerges every night into river water and mirac- miraculously reblooms the next morning. Yes. So so we'll, so they the uh the right roots the roots are in mud and they submerge into river water.
1: So like that part about it blooming like the next day again and all that, mm-hmm. it's like the cycle. For me, it was the cycle of yeah. my anxiety. You know, I'll, I'll be like basically gone today, but I'll be back tomorrow. Like oh, I'll, I'll be fine yeah. later. You get me?
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Like and the end
1: thing is I'll be fine at the end, you yeah. know, um, and then obviously just golden state of mind is basically saying you got to maintain that positive mindset or else it's just all going to go bad,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, and it's kind of just a reminder for me to stay positive all the time because I tend to easily jump off that positive little yeah, yeah. track, you know. Um, and yeah, and then just these little three dots at the top, those mm-hmm. are just my
0: three my three sisters. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, that's, Oh, that's beautiful. Now I want a lotus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. That's a great reminder and it's on your arm and you can look down and kind of remind yourself um, mm-hmm. when you look at it that there's so much to your journey and, and so much you're still doing. So yeah. So I highly, highly, highly appreciate and I thank you for being on the podcast. And, and something I didn't talk about earlier in the interview is that last year in March, I think I was logging on to delete my Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I saw your post being very frank and honest about anxiety and the panic that you, mm-hmm. um, that you experienced. And, yes. and that point of my journey, I wasn't open and ready to talk about it openly with people. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that, online uh, I immediately messaged you and I was like hey we gotta we gotta catch up because you and I um knew each other kind of like by mutual friends but we didn't really know each other very well yeah um and so you and I had a great time catching up and we both kind of poured our hearts out to each other and and shared um our story so I want to thank you for that a lot of people. Yeah, and thank
1: you for reaching out too, you know. I was like su- – when I received that message from you, I got so excited. I told my mom. <laughs> yeah. I told my dad. I was like, mom, dad, you know. <laughs> um, and they were super excited. And then after that, we went to go have like coffee. Yeah, we went to a great little was coffee that? shop. When we still could do that, <laughs> now we can't. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was – it was really hard for me, mm-hmm. um, one, to make that post because it's very – personal it's very personal and touchy and people there's people out there who won't understand
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know um there's people out there who actually don't believe in that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and so it was it was a little scary for me but I did it in the end you know I was like you know what this is my real life this is me so Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna share it because I feel I did it with the purpose of trying to help someone else out there or let them be hurt, like not heard let myself be heard but Mm -hmm. also you know let people know you're not alone in this, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not the only one. And if there's anybody out there going through the same or similar thing, you know, like, please feel free to talk to me. You know, I'm here. Yeah. And you did, you reached out (laughs) and that was super great. I got so excited and I was like, Oh, perfect. And not even just that, there were so many people commenting on it, you know, saying, Oh my gosh, you know, I've been through like, I've been going through the same thing or I've gone through that before. You know, if you need to talk to me, I'm here. If you need anybody Mm -hmm. to talk to, um, and it was just really great. The response was all positive, thankfully. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and it was great. great. You and I were able to connect, and I felt, like I said, I was in in that moment. I wasn't open about this stuff, and I felt mm-hmm. very seen by your post. Um, yeah. So thank you. I just want to no, know. I just want to thank you. The courage that that takes um, to be vulnerable like that, and to yeah. trust people with your vulnerability, um, mm-hmm. that's great. So thank you, Kayla, for being on Take Care. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, Do you have any social media you'd like to plug where we can follow you?
1: Yes. So my social media um, on Facebook, it's just Kayla Torres. Um, And then I have Instagram too. It's Kayla, K-E-Y-L-A underscore (laughs) F-K-7. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Cool. So uh, people who want to follow Kayla, those are her social medias. And uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Instagram at takecare.pod and at Twitter at takecare underscore pod. To support Take Care, please consider giving the podcast a five-star rating and leave a review. Quick disclaimer, I'm not a mental health professional, just an advocate and individual with a passion for mental and emotional health. The information and topics discussed on this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. This podcast does not attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any mental or emotional condition or disease.